Today on Act News Daily. Is something that people do on a one-to-one basis. But in places like China and India, you're starting to see this group buying, which allows for much higher volumes to be purchased. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Tech Tuesday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Eleni Howell joined by Ashton Carr. And I hope nobody missed us too much yesterday while we were dealing with some pretty severe storms here across Illinois, Iowa, sounds like parts of Nebraska and other states were impacted pretty heavily too. But Ashton, I tell you what, we are still out of power, at least at my house, uh, just outside of Des Moines. And I think a lot of the state is still out of power. So yesterday we had no Wi-Fi, no data, no power. So unfortunately, that meant no podcast. Well, Delaney, I'm certainly glad that you are okay, even though you did have to weather through that storm, no pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, I mean, this is no laughing matter, Ashton. This was a really, really serious storm. To be honest, I didn't even realize we were supposed to get inclement weather yesterday. And this just huge storm cell. I mean, I looked at the weather radar yesterday. I had some friends Snapchatting me from Des Moines, seeing what they were seeing. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is heading our way. Pulled up the radar, huge storm cell that stretched, I mean, most of the state of Iowa moving eastward, of course. And so we're still waiting to see, you know, final estimates on the damage. But looking through Twitter, talking to some friends. I mean, even our farm was hit pretty hard. We did, however, see meteorologists classify this storm as storm derecho. And it started in Nebraska Monday morning with winds as high as 70 miles per hour. And they just kept picking up speed. By the time they hit Iowa, meteorologists were clocking in wind speed at 100 miles per hour. So we saw flattened corn, We're seeing a lot of semi-trucks flipped over trees, down bends and barns and equipment just ripped to shreds. So my thoughts and prayers go out to all the farmers out there. This is going to be a tough one, I think, to come back from. Just the widespread amount of damage that we saw across the state of Iowa is is really shocking. Um, As I mentioned, we also have quite a few people without power. I think like a third A fourth to a third of the state of Iowa lost power yesterday. About 200,000 people in Illinois lost power, 50,000 in Nebraska. So there is just a lot to deal with. And the thing that I think is going to take a long time to rebuild is all of those grain bins, all of those barns and buildings that got torn up, but also the power outages. I mean, you look at what we have at our freezer, um, we've got, you know, probably a fourth of a beef left in there going to be gone if we don't get power back up there. So there's a lot of families I think that are going to be dealing with all of those issues as well, especially if they've been stockpiling during COVID here. Uh, So that's in prayers go to all of those people out there dealing with all of this stuff. Yeah, Delaney, I saw a couple of elevators that were pretty torn up and I was really shocked. I didn't, you know, being down here in Texas, didn't know that that storm was that heavy. And so I'm right there with you thinking and praying for those farmers and ranchers and those families who have been affected. But other than this, what uh, news headlines are you watching today? 
Well, I tell you what, this one was definitely one that shocked the system today, but we also could see another shock to the system tomorrow when we see our USDA WASD report drop. Estimates by analysts are expecting to see higher crop estimates. However, let's notate here that, of course, this report, these numbers were compiled before all of the damage that we saw from yesterday's storms. So I was talking to quite a few farmers, and I think that these record corn and soybean yields, at least in the states that were affected yesterday, are going to be hard to come by. But that is what a lot of analysts are expecting, is to see in tomorrow's report higher uh, carryover numbers in corn and potentially soybeans and definitely higher yields. But again, uh, these reports won't be taking into account all of the damage we saw yesterday. But Analysts are still expecting us to see a little bit of bearishness and um, some market trading, maybe trending lower tomorrow ahead of that report. Well, I can't say I would be too surprised if that were to happen in the markets, but I have some COVID-19 related news. Of course, the USDA said earlier today that they have extended the deadline to apply for the coronavirus food assistance program to September 11th. And I believe that this is, is this the second extension, Delaney? Do Am I just... Yes, I believe that is. No, I believe that's correct, Ashton. Okay. And so they additionally said that producers with approved applications will also receive their final payment. And Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue was quoted as saying, President Trump is standing with America's farmers and ranchers to ensure they get through this pandemic and continue to produce enough food and fiber to feed America and the world. That is why he authorized this 16 billion dollars of direct support in the CFAP program and today we are pleased to add additional commodities eligible to receive much needed assistance. Now I haven't seen exactly what commodities that included but I do have some numbers. As of August 3rd the USDA paid out 6.8 billion dollars of the CFAP money and cattle milk and corn producers um, they have the biggest recipients of that CFAP money. Well, in other coronavirus-related news, we saw over the weekend that President Trump released an executive order, or issued an executive order, I should say, aimed at restoring lapsed jobless benefits, suspending payroll taxes, and stopping evictions. And he was met with quite a bit of headwinds from Congress. I believe as Congress is still negotiating whether or not they're going to do some sort of you know, quote unquote, phase two package here for just all U.S. citizens, not farmers specifically. Um, But that is still going on. That's still being debated right now in Congress. And so we will continue to watch that as well. The thing that I'm a little unclear of, and I have to be honest, I should have done a little more digging before we recorded today, is these jobless these jobless benefits and payroll taxes and whatnot. The thing that's coming to mind, and I am not positive that that's what these are, but those extra unemployment benefits that folks were receiving here during COVID, I believe it was up to an additional $600 a week. I think that is what President Trump is issuing an executive order to restore those, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't heard too much about the executive order or anything, but I believe that you're correct. It's $600 a week they are receiving. And I believe that you can see, I should have done a little bit more digging too. We we kind of dropped the ball here, Delaney, but um, 
I believe that they just recently, I think at the beginning of August is what I had heard through the grapevine um, is when they had stopped those unemployment Mm -hmm. benefits. Yep. Yep. So it looks like those could potentially go back into effect, which is kind of a double-edged sword because it doesn't really, in my opinion, encourage people to go out and find a job or go back to work, especially maybe lower paying positions, because you're probably going to make more drawing unemployment than you are uh, going back to work. Absolutely. Being in a college town, a lot of my friends are Mm. waiters or waitresses or do smaller jobs. Of course, it's part-time work. And so they're making more money with unemployment benefits. And so they're not really too concerned about going back to work right now. Yeah, and and another uh, caveat here for aid money. We know, especially after talking to Senator Grassley last week, that biofuels are feeling pretty hurt during COVID-19 and are upset that they have not received any direct aid yet. But we saw a bipartisan group of more than 30 House members are asking or more so uh, directing that This next round of coronavirus relief has specific text, quote, explicitly directing Secretary Purdue to provide aid to biofuel producers. So they are trying to get specific text into this next round of COVID relief. Again, that's the big major bill like a CARES or the HEROES Act. This next one, they're trying to get specific text included in there to support the biofuels industry. So It's been a slow process. I don't know how quickly this is going to get negotiated and done. Um, I believe it's been passed in the House, but not the Senate or vice versa. I need to double check that. But there is one party or one branch, I should say, in Congress that is holding this thing up. So it's been a very slow process. But we will continue to watch that to see if biofuels do get a little pick-me-up in this next relief package. Delaney, have you heard any examples or anything about what they're specifically asking for or what they're trying to push through? I I haven't heard that. I think at this point, it's probably going to be one of two things if I had to take a guess. I would guess either one, they're going to ask for some sort of tax credit or, you know, a break in taxes at the end of the year, or they're going to ask for some sort of direct monetary aid, whether that's some sort of quote unquote bailout or cash flow. Um, I mean, we know ethanol was definitely not doing well before COVID and COVID hit and it just continued to lay that on top of them. So I think they're definitely feeling the pain right now. Well, like you said, we'll continue to follow along with that story, just like we follow along with the markets. Delaney, are you ready to hop into our market conversation for the day? I certainly am. And ahead of tomorrow's WASD report, we really didn't see grains trade too much outside of their normal range. However, they did finish positive on the day. The September corn contract up a penny to close at 311 and a half. The December up just half a cent to close at 323 and a half. In the soybean pits, the September contract up a half a cent to close at 870 and a half. The November up a quarter of a cent to close at 873 and a half. In the Chicago wheat pits, the September contract up four cents on the day to close at 495 even. The December up four cents flat to close at 503 and three 
orders. Hopping over to take a look at our livestock markets. Green across the cattle complex as the October contract finished $1.15 higher to end at 108.30. The December 70 cents higher today to close at 111.67 and a half. In the feeder cattle bits, the September contract adding $1.22 and a half to close at 146.62 and a half. The October up $1.05 to close at 147.62 and a half. Lean hogs suffered a little weakness today with the August contract dropping five cents to close at 53.07. The October down $2 today to close at 51.82 and a half. A little bit of an inverted market going on there with the August trading at a premium to the October. And taking a look at our class three dairy futures, we saw the September contract up seven cents today to close at sixteen thirty-one. The October up fifteen cents to close at sixteen sixty-nine. Without further ado, let's turn it over to our conversation with Peter Miller about technology expanding all over the world. Well, for today's Tech Tuesday interview, we are talking with Peter Miller, founder of the Farm Immersive blog. Peter, first of all, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, Peter, tell us a little bit more about Farm Immersive, your blog, how you got started, and what types of topics that you cover. Yeah. Uh, Farm Immersive is a blog that I started back in March. Um, trying to pull from my experience with global uh, technology companies and global ag investing. And I'm trying to highlight innovations that are coming out of parts of the globe that most people don't pay much attention to. So I do a lot of um, reporting on innovations coming out of Sub-Saharan Africa, out of South Asia, South America, And I think that there's something there for readers in Europe and North America who um, might be able to see some parallels to things that they're working on and might find some interesting innovations that um, actually, in many cases, come back to, to North America and Europe. So, Peter, from my understanding, some of the stuff on your blog that I've looked at is a little niche, I guess I would say. So how do you find this information and enough so that you can report on it? So there's been quite a bit of coverage of these types of ag tech companies from incubators, from accelerators, from other types of people in the investment space in ag tech. And that doesn't often get translated into something for kind of a general audience. And then I also find a lot of information from um, grant reports. So many of these companies actually apply for philanthropic grants. And um, because they're improving the markets in the countries in which they're operating, they have a kind of philanthropic angle. Um, and so they actually get a lot of their early funding from grant funding. And I find that to be a good source of information as well. So Peter... When you're working on these different articles, working with different companies, I know you do a lot with private equity. You're obviously doing a lot on the international ag scene. Is your end goal to be able to, I guess, two parts, one, pair up potential investors with some of these global ag companies, 
Or are you more so looking to just shed some light on what some of these companies are doing internationally? Yeah, good question. Um, Really, my mission is to highlight innovations um, that I think that North American investors would be interested to know about. So I see a lot of people in the private equity circles that I used to run around in um, have interest in emerging markets, but they don't really know where to begin and they don't have the networks that would allow them to get into those networks, into those countries. And so I see this as just kind of a way of highlighting what is possible and hopefully starting to make some introductions between entrepreneurs in other geographies and capital that's available in the U.S. and in Europe. Peter, doing all these blog posts and research for world agriculture technology, what would be your favorite up-and-coming ag technology that you were most excited to share with the world? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. There are a couple of trends that I think are really interesting that I think will eventually kind of ripple back to North America. So the first one that comes to mind is group purchasing. Yeah, community-supported agriculture in, um, in a lot of the U.S. markets is something that people do on a one-to-one basis. But in places like China and India, you're starting to see this group buying, which allows for much higher volumes to be purchased from farmers. So farmers love it. And then also um, because the consumers are actually taking on the responsibility of bringing in other consumers, um, they're able to bring the prices down as well. Uh, So that'd be one. And I guess the other one uh, that I find particularly interesting is just the uh, some of the crop insurance options that are available to smallholder farmers are very different from the types of crop insurance that we see in the U.S. Uh, and so a lot of that is is kind of weather-related insurance, but you're starting to see some interesting new indices that um, are, are providing uh, kind of different ways of, of, of reducing risk for very small farmers. So with all that being said, Peter, I mean, you're talking about a lot of really neat niche things and niche technologies that maybe will come to the U.S., maybe they won't. But when you look at the diffusion of some of these technologies, do you see some of these countries influencing what we're doing in the United States? And, And secondly, how quickly do you think we'll pick up on things like this? I mean, you look at managed money, for example, or just banking in general, Africa is like light years ahead of the United States when it comes to mobile money. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about some of these things coming back to the U.S. And one example of that is in my very first post on the blog, I, I looked at over 20 Nigerian platforms that are basically connecting individual investors with specific farms in Nigeria. So you could be a city dweller who's invested in a farm in the country and you get weekly reports on what the farm is doing, but the farm is able to use your capital to at a very good rate. And that's only possible because of exactly what you're talking about. And that's mobile money, highly connected individuals and then these types of innovative platforms that have been created. And there are already 20 of them in Nigeria alone. 
Uh, and I think that that kind of direct investment is something that, that I'm pretty optimistic about seeing in the U.S. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Peter, before we let you go, we've been talking about your blog, Farm Immersive, but how can our listeners tune in? How can they read it? And how can they connect with you if you're on social media? Sure. Yeah, the best way to get started would be visiting farmimmersive.com. So that's immersive, I-M-M-E-R-S-I-V-E. And uh, when you're there, just be sure to sign up for the email reminders. Uh, We try to post a blog every week. And uh, it's a very quick read. And yeah, we cover really niche topics, but I try to keep it fun. And I'm always open to new suggestions as well. Fantastic. Well, I certainly look forward to reading more of your blogs in the future. Peter Miller of Farm Immersive, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Very interesting conversation to hear about with Peter, and uh, I'm excited to see what technology he blogs about next. I certainly am too. So folks, be sure to check it out. Hit subscribe so you can get those updates when he posts new blogs. Again, his website is farmimmersive.com. But speaking of websites, Ashton, we have a fantastic website filled with lots of different podcasts. Just head to globalagnetwork.com. You can check out our podcast. You can check out all of the other great podcasts that are part of the Global Ag Network. With that, Ashton, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.